Welcome to you. Uh, my name is Trevor. I'm the lead pastor here at Risen. Thank you for being here. Uh, Merry Christmas. It's good to, good to be in this room with you this morning. If you have a Bible, would you uh, turn with me to the Gospel of John this morning, to the Gospel of John. Uh, we are in what is called the Advent season. Uh, to those of you who are new to the church, maybe this is your first or second or third time here, welcome. We really do hope that you would experience the welcome of God when you, uh, when you park and you come into this place. We, as God's people, we have experienced the hospitality of Christ, and we want to extend that to you. So if we fail in that, we are sorry. We apologize. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's just so good to have you here, and we do hope you're having a wonderful Christmas season. Um, we are in technically the Advent season, which is a season of waiting, waiting for Christ to come. And uh, the last few weeks, we have been looking at passages in Scripture that point towards Advent. Two weeks ago, we looked at a passage that was really all about the second coming of Christ and the second Advent, um, as we call it in Christian faith, which is a Christ-promised return. And while we celebrate at Christmas time the first Advent, Christ coming at Christmas, we talked two weeks ago about the second Advent and why the second Advent is really just as important as the first Advent. And then last week, we looked at a passage in Isaiah, where in which the goal of last week was to say to you that in the midst of how uncomfortable your life can be, in the midst of great discomfort, you can be comforted by God. Um, that, that you're going to experience difficulties in all sorts of ways in the midst of the Christmas season, but comfort is available to you in the midst of discomfort. And we talked about the, the reminder that no matter how uncomfortable things get, if you are a Christian, you are forgiven of your sins. Amen? That, that if you are a Christian, God has come to be near to you. Amen? That God's word stands forever. Amen? And that God cares for us even when things are difficult. Amen? So we can experience the comfort of God even when things are not comfortable. And then this morning, we are going to press forward really thinking about um, what is our role in the midst of the Christmas season? What is our role in the kingdom in the midst of the Christmas season? So uh, I don't know if you saw this. I'm not going to play it, so you'll have to look for it later. I'm going to do, um, I'm going to explain to you a viral video. So uh, I hope you enjoy that. Um, I don't know if you've seen this video. It's moving around the internet. It involves uh, a six-year-old boy named Milo Watson. Milo Watson is six years old, and um, he lives in the UK, and it's standard fare in the United Kingdom for every town, every school to put on a nativity play. And Milo Watson is a six-year-old, and the video that has gone viral is one where in which Milo gets into the back of his car, turns to his mother, and says to his mother, guess what I am for the nativity? And he gives her a hint. He tells her, I'm a classic one. <laughs> and so she listens. She kind of looks at him. He's just, he is filled with joy. And she says to him, are you Joseph? And he says, no, I'm not Joseph. And she says, are you one of the wise men? And he says, no, I'm not one of the wise men. And she says, are you the innkeeper? And he says, no, I'm not the innkeeper. She says, what are you, Milo? And he says, I'm door holder number three. <laughs> 
And he says, with great elation, I'll be holding doors. And, and, and he, 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 he kind of retells the story of sitting there and listening and then finding out that his role is door holder number three. And he says, like, let's go. Get in there. Like, I'm a classic one. I'm going to be opening doors. I've got a role to play. And you can see the elation in his eyes. And one of the reasons I think it's moved around is because you see this boy with so much joy in his heart to play a role in the midst of this nativity when many of us would think that that role was sort of a leftover role. I don't know if you've ever been in a nativity play. I don't know if you've ever done that. But I want you to think about what role you play in the kingdom of God in the midst of this Christmas season. What role do we play? Do we play no role at all? Some of us think that. Some of us think that the Christmas season is about feasting and presents and about fulfilling obligations and Christ is going to come and I don't really have much to do or say about it, but that's just good news and I'm glad to just be here. For some of us, we see ourselves as having no role. Others of us think that we have a starring role, right? We think that we, we mistakenly give others the impression that Christmas is about us. It's about, it's about the, the presence we want, the expectations we have, the way people think about us or experience us. It's making sure that the party that we planned is executed well. It's making sure that the kids are happy, that our neighbors are satisfied, that our house is decorated well enough, that everybody feels loved well enough. It's about, it really becomes us, us playing the starring role. Are we, in the, are we the main character of Christmas? Are we even cast at all? is the tension that I want to wrestle with, really to press into the notion of how should we live as God's people in the midst of the Christmas season? And here's my major idea. Um, You have a role to play in Christmas, but not the main role. You have a role to play, but not the main role. If you have a Bible, I've given you a moment to open up to John chapter 1. We're going to read verses 6 through 8 this morning. John chapter 1, 6 through 8. This is God's word. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. This is my outline this morning, if you're taking notes. Um, my, My outline is God sends you, God sends the light, and most importantly, you are not the light. And I hope that this morning gives you great comfort in knowing that, but you're able to see your role in the midst of this Christmas season. Let me give you a little context to John chapter 1. If you've never read John before, um, it's the synoptic gospels, which are sort of the gospels that tell a very, very similar story of the life of Jesus, are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then you have the gospel of John, which is a wonderful gospel we as a church have preached through the gospel of John. Um, and the gospel of John starts out with a bang. It starts out with theology and philosophy and 
big picture ideas. John, the Gospel of John, chapter one, verse one, starts by saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So you get this grandiose picture in the beginning of John chapter one about the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So you're, you're listening and you're going, okay, there's a, the Word, and the Word was somehow with God, but the Word also was God. And then it says, He was in the beginning with God. So you're reading John chapter 1, verse 1, and the, the first thing you're wondering is, whoever the Word is, who is in the beginning with God, who is God, is a He. And the he was in the beginning with God, and everything, John says, is made through this he. There's a he, and everything's made through him. And in him, in this he, is light and is life. So the question that you're asking as you read the first five verses of the Gospel of John is, who is the he who is this word, who is with God, who is God, who everything was made through him, who in him is life, in him is light? Who is this he? And then you get to verse 6, and right there in verse 6, you get there was a man, a man sent by God. There's this question you're asking. Who is this light? Who is this he? Who is this person? And then you get, there was a man sent from God. If you're hearing this, your ears are thinking to yourself, we're about to find out who this word was in the beginning, who this life is, who this light is, who is this? There's a man sent from God. And then it says that his name was John. John, just to let you know, is not the word. But, but whatever God is doing in his communication of what we need to know, it starts by this recognition that the one whom all things are made, the one who, who is in him is light and life, that that person is, is, is we're going to talk about that person in a minute, but first we get a guy named John, a person named John, a person that God has sent the word of God is coming, and what's really important right here in verse 6 is a guy named John. Now it turns out, and I love this about the gospel of John, is that when God begins to tell the story of, of this word, of this life, and of this light, God starts by saying, before I get there, I'm going to start with that, but you need to know about this person named John. And the reason that that happens in the Gospel of John and all throughout the Bible is because apparently people, people like you and me are a part of the plan of God. We have a role to play. We've got kids who are here um, this morning with us. They've got these boxes and in them they've got these fill out sheets. Kids, this is the first fill in the blank. You are a part of the plan at Christmas. You're part of the plan. Think, think about this. The light of God is coming. The, the life of God, the word is coming. You would think that God's posture would be, I have no need for sinful people whose lives are messed up. I can, I can light the world all by myself. But instead, there's a person, a man named John. There's always a person. The work 
that God is going to do requires that he's going to use people. It could could just be Jesus. You, You get that, right? That it could just be Jesus, but it's, it's not just Jesus. It's Jesus in and through his people. Think about this for a moment in your own life. How many of you met Jesus through an ordinary sinful person? Just think about that for a second. When you tell your own story of faith, how you first met Christ... Was it through the preaching of an ordinary sinful preacher? Was it through the relationship of an ordinary sinful person? Was it a, a person who just, their lives weren't perfect, but they, they, they loved you and they loved Jesus and you noticed something about them and you talked with them? Think about your own story and how you met Jesus. And then think about how some ordinary person played a pivotal role in the reality that you are a citizen of God's kingdom. And then recognize that you are called to be that someone else in someone else's life. My prayer is that you would be the someone else in other people's lives. You're just reading John and you're kind of going, where, 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 where are we going to get to this word? And it starts with, there was a man. His name was John. God sent this man. Do you see that? It's not just that he's an accidental man. It's that this man who is not the word was sent by God. A God sent man that isn't Jesus. Apparently, God is, Jesus is not the only person that God sends. He sends John, and he sends you. This is a remarkable text. At the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus is standing with his disciples, and he says something to them that we just move by too quickly. This is from John chapter 20, verse 21. This is towards the end of the Gospel of John. This is what it said. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. He's speaking to his disciples. And then he says this, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Jesus says, the Father sent me, and in the same way the Father is sending me, so too I am sending you. God is a sending God. God is at work in this church, in this city, in this room, and God is at work in your lives, in your workplaces, in your classrooms, in your dormitories, in your relationships, in your home, in your families. God is working in those contexts, and you are a part of the way that God is working. You are part of the plan. Jesus is the one through whom we are saved, but his sent people play a role in how they become saved. And so you you might not have walked into the room this morning seeing yourself as a sent Christian. But but I want to be very clear. There's no such thing as an unsent Christian. 
They don't exist. If you are a Christian, you are sent by God. Jesus says, the Father sends me, I'm sending you. So the question you have to wrestle with this morning is, do you see yourself as someone that God is sending into the places in your life where he desires his light to go? Will you go? Remember when Isaiah, who we looked at last week, remember Isaiah at the beginning of that great book says to the Lord, here I am, Lord, send me. Well, a Christian, by their faith in Christ, becomes someone in whom God says, because you are now connected to me and my life and light is in you, I'm sending you. And that should humble every one of you. It should cause, all of you should feel unqualified. But, but God is the one who qualifies. Are you a sent Christian? This Christmas, have you looked at your families? your workplaces? Have you looked at your school? Have you looked at your life and your relationships? And have you, have you had this, this nagging sense in the midst of those relationships? God, I, I feel like you're sending me into these relationships with these people. I'm not just here by accident. I'm not just here because I want to be. Lord, I feel like you're sending me. God sends you. Secondly, God sends the light so we get in verse 6. There was a man, a human, a person like you and me, sent from God, whose name was John. Yes, he is special, certainly, but we are all sent Christians. And then in verse 7, it says, he, John, came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Remember, the first five verses of John are all about who is this word, who is this light, Kids, when you're in the room, you have a little puzzle in, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's in your box, and that puzzle is as difficult to uh, uh, take apart as it will be to put back together. Um, but I sent you that because I want you, as you're thinking about the puzzle and opening the puzzle, I want you to think about the puzzle of Christmas and, and what Christmas is about and what does it mean for Christmas to all come together. That's the puzzle. The, the puzzle is, who is the light? And John tells you, it's not, John, the gospel of John tells you, it's not John the Baptist who is mentioned in verse 6, who we've been talking about. John came as a witness. What does a witness do? A witness testifies. So what's John to do? This man sent by God, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light, to testify about the light. A person sent by God to be a witness. Christmas is a glorious time of lights. Some of you live on streets or in neighborhoods where there's lots of Christmas lights. Some of you live on a bah humbug kind of street where there's no Christmas lights. It's wonderful in this season of great darkness when it gets dark at 4.30. It's great to drive through the city and see these houses that are lit up. Or sometimes you'll drive by a, uh, an apartment and you'll see through the apartment just the, the shining of a single Christmas tree as the light comes out. I love lights at Christmas time. Maybe, some of you don't know why we celebrate Christmas on December 25th. Um, it's, it's not because of paganism, in case, you're, in case you've heard that on the internet. Uh, let me give you just a little, bit of, a little bit of what happens in the early church. There was, uh, the Jewish people had a belief, early Judaism had a belief, that a prophet of significance would, um, would die on the day he was conceived. 
a prophet of significance would die on the same day he was conceived. And so uh, because Jesus was significant, the church uh, believed that, they, that the day that Jesus died was probably March 25th. And so they said, well, if Jesus was, if he dies on March 25th and he was a significant prophet, and he, died on Mar- he, was, he was conceived on March 25th, fast forward nine months, you get December 25th. December 20th. That's how we get December 25th. That's where it comes from. Um, I'm not saying that Jesus died on March 25th or was born on, or, uh, on the 25th of December at all. I'm just saying that's how we got that. One of the, glo- one of the beauties, though, I think, of living in um, the Northern Hemisphere um, is that we have Christmas time right around winter solstice. Solstice is the darkest day of the year. And you guys all feel it, right? You feel when the clocks change and all of a sudden you leave work and it's dark outside and you go to work and it's dark and you come home and it's dark and it just feels like it's dark all the time. And the darkest day of the year is December 21st. There will be in in Los Angeles, there will be the least amount of light on December 21st. And then on December 25th, I just love this, as Christians, we celebrate the light of God coming into the world, and we do that just as the light begins to increase every single day. It's kind of this beautiful thing. In the midst of LA, I mean, I don't know what they do down in like Australia. They don't get any of this at all, right? Everything's upside down over there. But for us, the beauty of it is when it's so dark, the light of God comes in, and we celebrate the light of God growing. And the light of God comes into the world. And what does light do? Light casts out darkness. Wherever you put light, it pushes against the darkness. Darkness cannot stand in the face of the light. What the Bible teaches again and again and again is that we as human beings, by default, we walk in spiritual darkness. The things that we are hungry for, the things that we are ambitious for, those things are material. They don't last. The desires we have, the things on your Christmas lists or the wish list you've put together, they are largely going to be earthly goods. Our longings, our deepest longings by default, are often for power and for control for approval, for comfort. And our lives seek, by default, fleshly appetites. Your default mode is to desire these things that you know are not good for you. That is what the Bible calls spiritual darkness. And if you, you can't even begin to imagine a world that was only darkness. We'd be stumbling around, unable to see anything clearly. And what does God do to people? Maybe that describes you this morning. Maybe you sense that you are in a place of spiritual darkness. What does God do? God sends his light. He sends Jesus the light of God, to dwell with us and in us. The light of God, which overcomes all darkness. The light of God, which brings life and light to all 
who believe and receive. That, that's the heartbeat of Christmas, is that, is that Christ comes as the light of God into the darkness, casting out the darkness, the darkness in your family, the darkness in your relationships. God casts out the darkness in your own soul. And the way in which we can receive that light is by confessing, Lord, I am prone to wander. I'm prone towards the darkness. But Lord, I confess that that darkness is darkness and I want to turn from it. I want to repent and turn towards the light and receive Christ who comes at Christmas as the light of God into my life to cast out the darkness. I know I am not the only person in this room this morning who is desperate for the light of God to cast out the darkness that I see everywhere in my life and in this world. We need the light of God, and the good news is that God sends this light. John is a witness. He's a witness. He testifies about the light. Why? So that all might believe through him. Belief in the light comes through a witness to the light. Kids, that's the next fill in the blank. Belief in the light comes through a witness to the light. That's how belief happens, through regular people sent by God to be witnesses wherever God sends them. We are overwhelmed with darkness, physical this season, spiritual. Everywhere we look, we see darkness. And it is common for us as Christians. I do, because I talk with you. I love you. We have a relationship. We like to sit around and talk about how the world is dark, right? Don't we, don't we do that? Oh, did you see that darkness on social media? Oh, did you see the news today? Oh, things are getting so dark. We like to sit around and complain about the darkness. We do that all the time. The question we ought to be asking or the thing that we ought to be wrestling with is not why is the world so dark, but, but why aren't more of us more deliberate about pointing to the light? That, that ought to be the thing that occupies our time. When you find yourself this holiday season sitting around family complaining about the darkness, why don't you press in this season and ask, what might it look like for us to point to the light more than we already are? God sends you. God sends the light. Third, finally, you aren't the light. Okay, so John, like you and me, sent by God to be witnesses to the light. Super important. That's the role we play. But John is not the light. That's verse 8. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. He's a witness to the light, but we're told he's not the light. In fact, you can't get through John chapter one without having a real clear picture of who John the Baptist is not. He is not the light. In verse 19 and 20, he is not the Christ. In verse 21, he is not Elijah, though he came in the spirit and power of Elijah. He is not the prophet. Verse 27, he's not even worthy to untie the sandals of whoever the light is. Over and over and over again, John the Baptist, I am not, 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 not me, not me, not me, not the light, not the Christ, not Elijah, not the prophet, not the sandal handler. 
over and over again, Judd, this is who I'm not. And I think that's in part because you're supposed to know the light is coming in. John plays a role in being a witness to the light, but John's not the light. And you're not the light. You're not the Savior. Later on, John will put it this way in John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, verses 28 through 30, John says, you yourselves bear, bear me witness that I said, remember John said, I'm not the Christ, but I've been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom, the friend of the groom, stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, I must decrease. John says, please, please look at me, but then look away from me. Look at Christ. When you're no longer looking at me and instead you're looking to Christ, that's when this joy is now complete. Here's my sort of analogy for this. I have two matchsticks here. And I want this unlit matchstick, I want you to think of this matchstick as someone in your life who does not have the light of God. And then this is you. And then you, maybe in the morning or maybe church together, you come and you, you light yourself at Christ. And then some of you, before you even get to work, like you go to work like this. Right? You're like, got to get that out of here. This is Sunday and then this is me on Monday. Right? That's some of you. Right? That's some of you. Um, others of you, like you get lit and then after you get lit, you feel like it's your responsibility to light everyone around you. You feel like that's your job. But here's what happens. Once, you, once that happens, if you don't get this right, um, if, if you leave this person, then this is where they're at. This is, this is nice. Up and until difficulty happens, and now there's a problem. And what's the problem? you haven't taught them where the source of the light comes from. You've played this role when you should have played this role. Does that visually make sense for you? This was, the, I, when I was uh, in high school, um, I was a part of a youth group. We did a lot of evangelism. There was a lot of go tell people about Jesus and then leave people and hope they figure out the Christian life all on their own. And then when things get difficult, they don't know where to go. I point that analogy out because I think the temptation for some of us is to think that it's our responsibility to be the people who save other people, who light other people, who pour into other people in such a way that we feel like we need to be Christ, not just to them, but Christ for them. And I want to remind you, Jesus is the light, you're not. Here's how, here's how the early Christians, here's how Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul says, what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. So John the Baptist would be comfortable saying, I'm not the light. And I want you to know, you're not the light. John's just the one fulfilling that prophecy from Isaiah 40 that a voice cries in the wilderness. John's like, I'm just a voice. I'm just a signpost. My life points away from me. Here's my point, kids, third fill in the blank. Your life should point away from you. 
You've heard us say in this church before, Christian faith is just one beggar showing another beggar where the bread is. So let me remind some of you this morning, because you need to hear this. You can't save your family. You can't save your relationships. You can't fix all the brokenness. You can't do any of that. But you can point with your life to the one who can. That's your role at Christmas. Just as a little aside, beware of any pastor, preacher, or Bible teacher who seems to make their ministry more about themselves than about Christ. Our job as Christians is to point away from ourselves constantly It's good that people see us, that they see our good works, but it's so that they would turn and glorify our Father in heaven. That's our role. That's our responsibility. So I want to remind you this morning that God has a role for you this Christmas, but it's not the main role. God is sending you, and you are God's plan for people in your life to know about who Jesus is, but you're not Jesus. And you don't have to be. I really hope that for some of you, you'll leave this morning just elated that Jesus is Jesus and that that's not a role you have to play. So don't draw attention to yourself. And don't look to take from men what ultimately is made for God. Your role this Christmas season is to make much of Jesus. Because he, and he alone, is the light. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, some of us feel like we have no role to play. Would you deliver us from that impression? Give us wisdom. Give us words. Give us, more than anything, a heart for the lost people in our lives who don't have the light of God. Help us to see that you're sending us into those relationships, into those spaces. But you're not sending us so that we, would, we could replicate Christ, so that we could be Christ, but rather that we could point to Christ with your light, your life in us. May we in our words, in our actions, in our deeds, in the ways that we repent and confess before one another and before people in our lives, We want people to know in our lives that we are not the Savior, and we want them to know that you are. And so help us to see our role this Christmas. Help us to see Christ this Christmas as the light who comes to cast out the darkness. Help us to see this Christmas that we are not the light. Help us like John the Baptist to point to the light. I want to pray for those who are here this morning who are walking in spiritual darkness. Their life feels like it's filled with darkness. I pray that they would see that darkness, their hearts bent towards it. They would confess it, repent, and they would trust in Jesus, the light and life of God. That in receiving Christ, they would be filled with, with the light of God and reconciled to you, Father. Father, it's 
we oscillate in our world between insignificance and a kind of over-significance, seeing too little of ourselves or too much of ourselves. Help us to see ourselves properly, sent by you to point people to the light that's come at Christmas. We pray this in your name. Amen.